1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Cosmopolitans
2: All The Way With. I'm Paisley Gilmore. And I'm Laura Capon. This week we're joined by Amir Levine, a psychiatrist who co-wrote the best-selling and groundbreaking relationship book, Attached.
3: She's <laughs> <Keep> laughing, <laughs> listeners, because she had to do that intro <laughs> ten times.
2: Because <laughs> I can't pronounce combat I can't. I <laughs> Compatibil Why can't I talk? Com- Compatibility. nice no, yeah, I can't pronounce that word. That and um fetish. I, fet- see? Yeah.
3: And they okay. are two words that you need when we talk about sex and relationships, Laura, so
2: I'll get working on that. That's my own work.
3: Go home and practice though. <laughs> um, how are you? What have you been up to this week? <laughs>
2: um, I've been having some weird dreams. Um, have oh, you? Yeah. Also, I, I know, have, yeah. I want to preface this with I know how annoying it is when someone's like, let me tell you about my dream. And you just think, oh... God, please don't. Um, but I'm going to include you in it, okay? You listening. Um, so I had this weird dream about dolphins. So um, I'll keep it brief. I was in the sea. <laughs> Is that a dolphin? No. That's
0: our um,
3: producer using a dolphin
2: noise <laughs> <laughs> so I was in the sea and there was a dolphin and there was one that was like swimming towards me trying to like spear me with its um do you call it a snout and then I was chasing the other one anyway I was like that was weird I googled it and basically dreaming about dolphins means you're incredibly lonely especially if you're chasing a dolphin means you're incredibly lonely and like desperate for um um like <laughs> a relationship <laughs> so that's great <laughs> honestly I googled I, that and I never felt so seen
3: and um, do you I mean we'll just go over the f- fact that that is incredibly sad to hear um do you feel that that's accurate <laughs> has that made you think yeah I am lonely
2: I mean yeah yeah but I mean I, I just don't like the word desperate in there you know I guess also just this again this situation but I don't know it just felt very like oh just tell it to me how it is dream dolphin um, <laughs> you're a
3: desperate loner <laughs> um what um animals have you been dreaming about paisley if any well obviously we've written about this on the cosmo site if anyone wants to go and read the reasons why we're having so many like batshit dreams right now there's multiple reasons but one is that um we're getting more sleep and it's during that really deep sleep i think that um you have your dreams which is why we're remembering our dreams more because we're spending more time in that bit of sleep i am not a, a dream person so if that i mean that might be wrong um and because we're more anxious and stressed and stuff so it's impacting our dreams um oh. but i had one not quite as strange as yours but equally disturbing because i haven't thought about my ex-boyfriend for a really really long time we broke up like 3 4 years ago i had this dream where we were together and in the dream it was so real i could physically remember what it was like to be in love with him and i woke up being like oh my God, I am capable of love. I am capable of happiness. (laughs) Maybe I want a relationship. And that was really fucking scary.
2: So it was like you were—you could feel as well. It wasn't just um, images. You had feelings there.
3: Yeah, for once in my life, because I feel nothing in my waking life. In my dream life, I'm an open book. (laughs) Maybe
2: I need to get you asleep more often. I don't know why that sounded creepy. Um,
3: Well, that's kind of like, I feel that's quite uh is that growth
2: I love to hear some growth I'm gonna put that I'm gonna say that's growth
3: yeah it is if any of you lot have been having weird sex dreams I mean nothing's weird you're all normal but just like if you've been having unusual sex dreams or anything about relationships in your dreams please let us know
2: yeah please do and I promise we'll never um tell you about our dreams again well we might but (laughs) we'll keep it
4: short
3: We're joined today by Amir Levine, a psychiatrist, neuroscientist, and co-author of my favorite relationship book, Attached. Attached is an easy to read and practical guide to the attachment styles. It's a theory that explains why some of us struggle in relationships, and it's recommended by therapists as a way to understand your relationship behavior and make positive changes. It also helps you figure out who you're most and least compatible with. So hello Amir. Hi Amir.
4: Hi guys how are you?
3: We're our- very excited think, yeah <laughs> we're so excited to speak to you.
4: I'm happy to be here.
3: Thank you. Um, I was saying to Laura you are a celebrity to me actually I said that to you if I'm honest. Just so you know I, I read the book like um, at Christmas last year and I've made everyone in my house read it all my best friends and now I'm on a mission because I just feel like it's something that should be taught to everybody.
4: I mean I, I concur <laughs> I have to say I agree. <laughs> this is one of the reasons I decided to write this book is when I came across that information, I thought, wow, this is so helpful. How come no one's ever taught me this? If I knew this, like even back in high school, this would have made my life so much easier.
2: Yeah. So could you explain, um, Amir, what um, attachment theory is?
4: Right. So attachment theory is basically was um, founded by John Bowlby, who, uh, who actually uh, was studying that in, in, uh, in London at the time uh, during the Blitz. Uh, a lot of kids were sent up north, and he noticed that some of the kids, they were giving everything they, were, they needed in terms of food and sustenance, but they, they, they weren't able to engage with them as, as much, and, and so they weren't really faring so well. And so he reached the conclusion that um, attachment is a basic need just as much as food and water, that we don't get attached to our caregivers because they feed us, and give us all we need in terms of uh, sustenance, but we have a a separate need, uh, and uh, that is to affiliate with others. So that's the attachment theory in general. Uh, And then one of his students, um, Ainsworth, she discovered the attachment styles which to me is like a brilliant discovery. And that in the way that we relate to others uh, is different amongst different uh, people. And she noticed three attachment styles, the anxious, the avoidant, and the secure.
3: Yeah, so I think most people may have potentially heard of these words but might not necessarily know what they mean or how they impact the way we behave and experience relationships. Um, why, do, why does it matter? Why, do pe- why should people know about
4: these three things? Well, you'll see in a minute, because it's so, it tells you so much about it's what we call the working model. It really affects uh, how we perceive the world around us, how we perceive relationship, things that happen in relationship around us. It gives us a set of, uh, of ideas and expectations about the world. Uh, we think the world is what we see it, but it's not. We don't really see things as they are. We see things as we are. And those attachment styles really dictate how we see and perceive things in the world. Um,
3: And other people,
4: yeah. I can tell you about the three different styles and how differently they see things. It all has to do with how comfortable we feel with intimacy and closeness. So that's uh, on the one side. But then also how, how how sensitive we are to potential threat in the relationship. So if we love, love intimacy and closeness, we're never afraid of it. Give, the more you give us the, more, the happier we are with it. But we have a very low, th- we, we're not very, very sensitive to threat in their relationship. Then we have a secure working model or a secure attachment style.
3: And what do you mean by threat? Do you mean like jealousy of other people or?
4: So That's a very good question. So you have to understand that the attachment system, the attachment neurocircuitry, circuitry, it's actually, it's, it's a safety mechanism. People often think we feel safe if we have a lot of money in the bank or if we have an expensive condo uh, or, or like a good car, but that's not how biologically we feel safe as humans. Because when the emotional brain was formed, we didn't have all those things. We feel safe through other people and through our interactions with other people and their availability. So a threat uh, from an attachment perspective, and it's like learning a new language. And by the end of this uh, podcast, I will hope that uh, some of the people would have mastered some of this language. <laughs> but a threat means specifically the uh, uh, a potential danger to disruption of the availability of the person that we're attached to. Okay.
2: And um, Amir, what if you're not attached to anyone? So as a single <laughs> person, um, <laughs> raise my hand, raise your hand, Paisley. Um, does that still, do they still apply or do these attachment theories only apply if you're in a relationship?
4: No, it still applies. Even if we're not in a relationship, it's kind of like a built in system by which we feel safe. So even if you don't have someone that you're attached to right now, like a significant other, you still have people in your life that you're attached to. Um, So I told you about the secure attachment style. It's someone yeah, like if you see someone uh, getting close to your boyfriend or your girlfriend and talk to them too much, you just like you'll think. Well, you'll think nothing of it. You're not going to be that bothered, that much bothered by it, um, because you don't really see the danger there. Um, now, if they'll if they'll be kissing your boyfriend or your girlfriend, that it will like you will see the threat and you will respond to it. But you're like you will take a more a lot more. Uh, and they've actually done a study like that when they wanted to see. To what degree? When does someone becomes activated? That's what we call when we see a threat, we become activated. And usually we resort to protest behavior. Any behavior that tries to reestablish that that connection. But I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) I have to explain to you about the two other attachment styles first.
3: Yes, please
4: do. The other attachment style, the anxious attachment style, uh, people who have an anxious attachment style also love 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 intimacy and closeness they crave it uh but they do have a sensitive radar for threat so um if uh you go to a party and your boyfriend or girlfriend all of a sudden end up talking to someone for too long you start to feel a sense of uneasiness it's like what's happening there um you tend to see threat much more you have a very sensitive radar to threat um so it can get triggered much more easily and you will sort of uh and so um But that's just your uh, disposition. And then the third attachment style is the avoidant attachment style. And that's a little bit different. We all have that uh, need to affiliate with others. Remember, I told you, it's a basic need, just like food and water. Like we all need to drink water. We all need to find a way to affiliate with others. But when we do form the attachment with someone something strange happens to the avoidant. They feel uncomfortable with too much closeness. It's kind of like feel a little bit suffocated or just need to sort of uh, find a way out of it. They feel like they don't know how to deal with so much closeness. And so they find ways of instilling uh, uh, little ways of putting some distance in the relationship, which is called deactivating strategies. So little things like all of a sudden you find that the person with you, you're with, it annoys you how they sneeze. Or how they eat. Um, it's kind of like you know that internal commentator also yeah. comes on. It's like, oh, so that's a little way of creating distance. There are bigger way of creating distance, like every like being more interested, having like more sexual interest outside of the relationship. And they've done studies, and they showed, for example, that people with an avoidant working model, when you when they have to rate the attractiveness of people outside of their relationship, they will rate them as more attractive than people who have a secure working model. Um, Those swines.
3: Is that, is that like the same as self-sabotage or is that something totally different?
4: Well, it's just a way of instilling distance. It doesn't really need to completely sabotage. It doesn't really sabotage the because it depends, right? It depends who's on the other side of, of, like who's on the receiving end of it. If you're secure and your partner is starting to... Um, um, sort of instill little threats in your relationship, but you don't really have a very sensitive radar to those threats. It goes over your head and you don't mm. care. So they get to feel a little bit more distant and you accept it and tolerate it. And so things can be fine. But, and so that's why it was actually an excellent question because uh, it doesn't bode so well with, a diff- with the uh, anxious attachment style. Uh, people with anxious attachment style, think about it. They love, love closeness, and they're also very sensitive to potential threats that may take away that closeness. And the avoidant don't want that much closeness and keep instilling threat into their relationship. So that's a recipe for a lot of relationship drama. And a lot of the difficulties in relationships are due to that incompatibility in attachment styles. Uh, And you can see how they can really aggravate one another.
2: So and do avoid. Sorry, you go. No, you go. You go. Um, Do avoidant people know that they're doing it? Because also, it must be hard if you s- start to get kind of irritated by your partner um, if you don't realize that it's something in you. Um, so that's you trying to create that distance. Do you think people that are that avoidant type know that that's why that happens in their relationships, or? they think that it's always a problem with the, the other person?
4: So both. <laughs> I think, <laughs> uh, no, first of all, for sure, after reading the book, they will know. But sometimes they, they <laughs> it pisses them off. They don't want to hear it. Um, but it's, so you know, it's both. And there are different there are different variations on the theme of how insightful people are about their behavior. We're not all the same in terms of our insight. Some people know, I mean, you can know it all, you can be either completely oblivious and you can be like, whoa, I keep, and it happens a lot to people who are avoidant. It's like, they have this idea that I haven't found the right person. There's this whole notion of the one. I haven't found the one. uh, And they sort of have this uh, hope that all they need to do is follow sort of those fairy tales. And so they need to just fall in love hard enough, fast enough with someone to overcome that initial thing. And then once they do that, everything will be right. So they just haven't found the right person. And so they go on from one person to another, to another, to another, and then initially getting really excited and going all in really hard. And then all, but because in the beginning, there's not a lot of closeness, it has to build. But then once the closeness builds, they start to sort of back off and then they start, Oh, well maybe that person is not the right person for me. Maybe I wasn't in love with them as much as I thought I was. And so I need to try to find someone else. But then after 10, 15 times, uh, they start to think, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. How hard can it be to find someone to fall in love with? Um, so it's a process. And that's why part of the reason why we wrote the book is kind of like to help people, um, just like make the process more efficient. If you have more insight and you know what this is about, you can potentially sort of circumvent a lot of heartache, both for you and for the other person and find a way to deal with this better.
3: So you're essentially saying, right, that anxious and avoidant is potentially the worst combination of people in a couple. But if you are, if you both read the book and you're aware and you learn about it, can, do you have the ability to have a positive, healthy relationship despite that?
4: Yes, definitely. And again, it depends, right? It depends on the, the willingness of people to work on things. It depends on uh, different relationship uh, dynamics. It depends how soon, uh, how quickly do they come to seek help. Um, sometimes I got, I got emails from, uh, I just got an email from someone from Germany who said that uh, his girlfriend gave him the book on their second date, oh. and they both read it? And <laughs> he he acknowledged. I know he acknowledged that he has avoiding tendencies, but that the book really helped them overcome a lot of their differences. And he actually sent the email because they've been together for five years, and now she's about to have a baby. And he asked us to sort of like like that it would mean so much to her if we would sort of give her sort of a, like a little blessing. It was so nice <laughs> to get an email like that. So here you can even. People can even do their work on their own or uh, go to therapy and sort of find ways of, of improving your skills uh, and learning how to sort of gravitate towards more security. And it definitely can be done.
2: So, so if I'm so I think I'm anxious. Paisley, what are you?
3: Definitely avoidant. Let's yeah. not hook up because <laughs> we wouldn't work. <laughs> um,
2: so now that I know that, how um, who should I look out for?
4: So, you know, you can actually, we have a website, it's called um, uh, attachthebook.com, and we have a compatibility quiz there where we, you sort of, you can fill out. That's the, the I think that's the, that was the, the if there was a single most um, uh, thing that I liked about the book the most is that we, uh, we went a step further than most of the research. Most of the research in this field tells you about uh, how to, uh, like, it teaches people how to identify their own attachment style. But it's really a basic, it's basic psychology research. It was never meant to be implemented in everyday life. And basically, attached took it and made it into a clinical tool that people can use in their everyday life. And what we realized is that it's also not that hard to tell what other, attach, what, like, the attachment style of other people. So the first thing that you need to know is figure out your attachment style. And that's usually, not always, but oftentimes the easy, like easier, because you know how you think about things and how you, but, so that's the one thing. But then the other step, the next step is to learn to identify other people's attachment styles. Um, And that's why we have a quiz, uh, both in the book and online. How do you like to sort of little questions that you have to ask yourself in trying to figure out what the other person's attachment style is, and then... Um, then you have to decide if you're anxious, um, really the best way for both, you can also aggregate both anxious and avoidant into insecure working model or insecure attachment style. Uh, your best bet is to go with someone secure because secure people are just really talented in relationships. They're really, uh, it's, it's like having a relationship coach built into your relationship. Uh, (laughs) Um, so it will make your life much easier so the best bet is to go secure but, uh
3: but, Amir, sorry how would you know because sometimes you don't know what someone really is like until it's too late and you're already' it's been six months and you're living together so how do you find yes. out that they're secure before it's too late
4: that is a great question because it's true and so this is kind of like a little bit of my the subject of the my second book the book that i Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm working on now, uh, which also sort of talks about pair bonding biology and how some of the biology that uh, that gets people together. Uh, So you're right. You, like, there is a timing issue, and oftentimes people misuse that initial period in uh, because they don't know how to use it right in order to sort of suss the other person out. We don't think about it in that in that way when we're dating. We're looking, we, because we think that the task is to find someone uh, that we really like and that they like us back, uh, mm. and then, then that's sufficient. But that's not sufficient. <laughs> that's <laughs> just like, that's uh, necessary. Because we can't be with someone that we don't, we're not attracted to. So it's necessary. It's better if we're someone that we're attracted to. But it's not sufficient. Because the next step would be like, is this person, are we really compatible? And mm-hmm. can we make it work? And you need to find out very, very quickly. Uh, so when you go out on a date, you need to kind of like prepare yourself to, uh, you're on a fact-searching um, mission, fact-finding mission.
3: You're interviewing you have- them, almost. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I mean, think about it. You're you're interviewing someone for a position, probably the the most important position uh, (laughs) that you'll be hired ever in your (laughs) life. i'm loving this it's true right i mean it's um but oftentimes what happens to people because there's that biology that instills trust that we trust people we tend to trust people that we're attracted to people come to us it's like i always say it's like you're trying to sort of hire a cleaning person to come and clean your home they come and they tell you we don't do the floors we don't do the windows we're not going to wash the dishes we're going to do the laundry (laughs) but we're not going to fold it and you'll go you're hired (laughs) <laughs> um, because you're like, no, they will change. We'll, we'll teach them how to do the winter. We'll teach them how to wash the floors. And then you find yourself doing most of the cleaning uh, for years to come. I'm um, so, um, yeah.
2: saying that I mean, Do people not change? That's the one thing I'm really interested in, because I do think uh, a lot of people go into relationships thinking, I'll change them. I'll change like their um, fashion sense. I'll change the way they are. Do we not change? Do we stay in our attachment style forever?
4: So people do change their attachment style. Um, and one of the best ways, it's a like, oh, you know, the most important thing that I didn't actually say is the distribution of the different attachment styles in the population. That is really key because uh, about 54% of the population are secure. And about 25% are avoidant, and around 20% are, are anxious. And there's very, very small amount that is anxious and avoidant. Um, so there's more
2: secure
3: people. That really surprises yeah, me. that's it the means. good
4: news. The good news is the vast majority of people are secure.
3: Oh. I bet they're all coupled up, though, aren't they,
4: already? Well, they do get coupled up fairly easily. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, because they're so good in relationships. It's true. Um, but they're always, there's always, they're always around. That's the thing. One of the, problem is, one of the problems is, and then I guess I have to go back and tell you about the change. Don't forget to ask me about that. But one of the problems is um, that we tend to ignore them. That's a big mistake because we tend to pay attention to where there's drama. Uh, we can't help it. We gravitate towards it. If you go out with someone and they don't call us or they're like wishy-washy or they're do all these different things that activate our attachment system? Uh, they we tend to um, really pay a lot of attention towards that. And if we go out with someone who's actually um, like like immediately we chat with them online, immediately they want to meet. They tell us yes, we want to get married. Yes, we want to have kids. Yes, we want to have all these things. We love closeness. Come meet our parents. Come do all these things. Everything is goes very smoothly. We're like, wait, what's happening? Like, we don't really pay much attention. We take it for granted yeah. um, because yeah. there's no drama there. God, so we're just here, drama queens. Well, it's just our biology. It sort of tends to sort of gravitate towards unsolved things. But one of the um, one of the ways in which I'm hoping what what I do in my practice is I teach people to learn to really appreciate the secures in our world um, and to kind of like really see that. Oh my God, it's such a uh, it's really, it's, it's, um, it's a gift. It's really a talent. Uh, it's a relationship talent. Uh, and you want to, uh, so that really, once you sort of start seeing things that way, uh, it really is a game changer in terms of dating and also in friendships and other areas in our life because you start to sort of really uh, appreciate that and give more room to the secure people in our lives.
3: So do you think people mistakenly view secure people as maybe a bit boring because there is no drama and then they kind of move on to someone who fulfills the more dramatic role and then that's just unhealthy
4: so I call that the Delta effect because I mean I'm, I'm also I'm a molecular biologist and uh, as a scientist we most what we care about in biological systems we care about the delta which is the change uh, mm-hmm. so if you go from um, minus 30 to 30, the change is 60. Um, if you go from zero to 30, the change is only 30. And mm-hmm. so we respond to these things as a biological system. And so if someone is being like a jerk, that's minus 30, but then it goes up to 30, whoa, it's, it's a whopping 60. <laughs> but, but it's informed by, by something that's not, a, it, it's informed by, um, by, by something that's negative. Um, why would we want that? Uh, The fact that we're a biological system, we can transcend that. Uh, We have, as humans, the ability to think about our thoughts. Uh, It's called metacognition. So we can use metacognition to sort of like, wait a second. The fact that they haven't called and all of a sudden now they're calling, that they haven't been responsive and now they're responsive. Yes, my system, my biological brain will respond to it, but I'm not going to buy this. I'm not going to sort of let... um, uh my experience being formed by something that's negative i would say for example when like it's the same thing remember it's a basic need like food and water so let's say you haven't you haven't been giving a drink for three days and then someone gives you water it's like oh my god water but it's just water right so (laughs) you don't want the experience to be informed by deprivation
3: yeah, yeah, I get that. That is such a good
4: quote.
2: And why why are we the way that we are? Um why am I ang- like who can I blame for this?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um I think um in terms of blaming, so that's why that's actually it's a very important point that it's not I don't really see it as a pathology. I see it as a variation on the norm and that's why I love this field so much because it's not based on a medical Uh, and sort of the medical field where they look at things as pathology or normal, like sickness or health. It's more a variation on the theme. And there are uh, advantages of having an anxious working model or an avoidant working model. For example, um, the the advantages, there's an advantage to being um, um, hypervigilant about potential risk uh, like even now, like with COVID-19, if I were like, no, you can't go out, don't go in the, in, in, in the subway, I guess, um, underground for you guys. Right. Don't go in the subway. Yeah. Don't go here. Don't go there. Stay home. Uh, I might've just saved your life by being more vigilant about potential mm-hmm. danger. Right. I always, yeah. I love to give this example. I have a patient who is a very, has an anxious working model and in 2008, all of a sudden, like she, um, she woke up at six a.m. in the morning, and she all of a sudden sort like shook her husband, sort of woke him up right away. It's like, wake up, wake up, you have to get up. I have a bad feeling. You have to sell all of our stock. Um, and wouldn't let up. And he sold all of their stock, and then the market went tumbling down. And like she saved them from a huge financial loss. So. <laughs> There's a, there's a, there can be a benefit for having a sixth sense for danger.
2: Yeah, because I do think there's something in that gut instinct, because you know that oh, kind of oh, jeal- no. Yeah, that jealousy get- thing. Sometimes I feel like I'm not picking myself up here, but I think I can. Um, I'm not saying I'm clairvoyant, by the way. I think I can just read people quite well, so I pick up on like body language and things maybe more than a secure person would.
4: Fantastic example. Because it's not that I think. there's studies who look at that. And actually, they have, and I showed it in my talks, I, I there's this, uh, it's called Neutral to Sad, Neutral to Happy. They have people look at facial expression, and it's like a little video. And it goes, so you start from a neutral face, and it goes into a smiley face. Um, and they ask them, or an angry face, they ask them to sort of hit a button when they uh, see a change in facial expression. And people have an anxious working model are much can uh, actually uh, see the change in facial expression sooner than the other two uh, attachment styles. So you see, it's not just about beliefs. It's also about the perception, Uh, but there's a caveat to it. Um, If they hit the button too fast, they didn't really know exactly in which direction it was going. If it was going from uh, neutral to sad or neutral to happy, but if they waited just a little longer, they still we're able to be more accurate than the other attachment styles. So um, you have to learn. You do have a gift with a very sensitive radar. You just have to learn how to manage it right and learn to give yourself a little bit more time and not jump to conclusions right away, but sort of remain open to sort of like studying what's going on.
3: I love that. Um, I don't. I feel like we're probably out of time, but I have a question about me. Um, <laughs> I, Go ahead. As an avoidant, who has broken up with every single partner I've ever had because obviously I, yeah, I'm avoidant. What's like the one thing I can do to change that? That like, what's the most important thing?
4: The most important thing is to accept the need for more distance and communicate it, uh, and and learn how to communicate it in a way that doesn't really upset the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's much easier to do with someone secure. I have an example. You know, the, um, um, one of the, sort of, I think the, the editor of Scientific American, when the book came out, she really loved it. And she said, oh, you know, like my husband is more avoidant, but it's great for me. It works for me. I have to travel all around the country and the world to do my job and he doesn't care. It's fine yeah. with him. So that works for me. So you want to find a situation that works for you. Uh, so it's much easier with someone secure um, because they're not threatened as much. So the idea would be, to sort of be upfront and open about it and kind of like know how to communicate it. Um, and then allow yourself the space to feel comfortable. I always say that people who are avoiding it's almost like stray cats. You have to leave out the milk and <laughs> let them come and drink the milk on their own. <laughs> Do you know what?
3: My dad has always said to me that I'm like a dog that needs to be kept on a long leash. And if I am, I will always come back. And I feel like it's true. <laughs>
4: Yeah, exactly. You see? <laughs> so you have to explain to people, that's what I need. I okay. need the long leash.
3: Should I do that on the first date?
4: Sure. Why not?
3: Okay.
2: <laughs> and I guess just to finish, I mean, I'm so sad. I honestly wish we had like done a bumper episode here because I could just talk to you forever. Um, but just to go back to that change. So... Yes, yes,
4: yes, exactly. So yes, you can change. And in fact, 25 people, 25% of people change their attachment style in the course of four years. And then we go back to descending. The easiest way to change is to um, is actually when you pair up with someone secure, because uh, they will coach you in how to be more uh, secure. Uh, but you can change. Um, obviously, here I give you an example of someone who read the book and changed, or you can go to therapy, change. Uh, yeah. There are many ways to change, but definitely it's possible. But a lot of the time we don't. We like it's it's not going to come out of thin air. We have to learn the skills. And that's why I always say, especially with couples therapy, uh, acute or preventative care is better than hospice care. Uh, A lot of the time couples come in after so much, there's been so much bad blood between them that it makes it so much harder to sort of like uh, fix things. Where it's actually in the beginning... Uh, it's so much easier to fix things. You just can really change the trajectory.
2: And honestly, my last question, um, <laughs> people might have another one. No, I'm, gonna, go. I'm, I'm, no I'm now questions. looking for a secure person. Now I know. Um, but obviously most of our dating is now online, annoyingly. Um, how can I tell from those first few like messages if someone is secure? Is there a way of
4: telling? So, yes. So a lot of my new book is about that, actually. It's like you really have to create a setup right from the get-go of uh, in in terms of even like the, what you put in your profile, uh, that will be Ooh. sort of. I mean, like, sort of really radiate security. It's like I'm looking for uh, something serious. I uh, I like closeness and, and companionship. Um, uh, really, say all those words that uh, that avoidant people are are scared of. <laughs> like commitment,
3: <laughs> <I would never laughs> throw
4: everything before. in there, like kids, whatever you need to throw in there, throw <laughs> it in there. Uh, and this way you'll be able to weed out the people who are not interested in the things that you want. It's like it's very simple. Like I told you, think about it as sort of like putting out a, 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 a job description. Why would you put a job, like a, a vague job description? You'll get someone who may not be up for the role.
2: Yeah,
3: I love that. I think people are often so um, willing to kind of compromise on what they want, though, just to have a companion. So you're saying just go balls out, be honest about what you want, and don't waste time with people who can't give that to you.
4: There's so much at stake in uh, finding someone that then you're not going to have a a, a happy relationship with. It's like so much suffering because it's not that once you get attached to someone, it's not that easy to undo it. It can take decades of -hmm. unhappiness. There's so much at stake here. You don't want to. Um, um, you don't. You don't want to risk. There's. You, you don't. You don't want to risk that long term. You really want to go secure, and you want to tell people what you want. And people are not entirely to blame. There's also this idea that love will conquer all, yeah. um, and that if you love someone, everything will. Everything people will change dramatically, but they don't change that much. Uh, and I mean, still, you can make things work and work better. But if you have a chance at something fabulous, why would you want to like 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 look for look for it from the very get go?
0: Yeah,
2: I love that. Thank you so much. Oh, I mean, You're if welcome. I could, if we were allowed to hug and you weren't in Brooklyn, I would be <laughs> hugging
4: oh, you right here. now. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. It was fun. <laughs>
2: Thank you. It's not enough. We might need a part two. Okay, that'll be great. When is the second book coming out? Because, um... Probably in a year. Oh, God. Okay, we'll have you back then. Maybe sooner. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
4: sounds good.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Thank you so guys. Much. Thank you. Bye.
4: Take care. Bye-bye.
2: So, guess who's going to go on Amazon and their Hinge profile as soon <gasps> as I hang out from this? Are you saying <laughs> that
3: you're sold on attachment theory?
2: I'm so sold. That was... um. Honestly, I think the favourite podcast we've ever done.
3: Oh, Laura, that It was means, so
2: interesting.
3: <laughs> I feel like you are going to cry. I like, this is a cause so close to my heart. And how many times have I told you to read the book and you don't ever bloody listen to me? I and know. now... But
2: you oh. weren't a He's I don't know, it's just so kind of interesting and just a lot of the things he was saying, I could kind of relate to that thing of like, I'm so guilty of thinking like I'll meet someone and and... When it's the right person, it all just work out. But I guess yeah. it's actually like looking inwards at yourself and like, like you said, like the self sabotage behaviours you might have. Yeah, just stop um, it. <laughs> but I can't believe how many secure people there are out there. For God's sake,
3: I know where are they? Because I feel like as an avoidant, I attract anxious people, and then that's why it doesn't work out. Where are my secures at?
2: You know what? Though, also when he explained it, I was like, oh, because. I've this it sounds awful now now I'm like looking at completely different I don't really it sounds awful like sometimes you know when some guys or for me guys and um, will put it in their bio and it'll be like um not looking for like time wasters and I always just think of them as a bit desperate like <laughs> when they put everything out there yeah and that sounds really bad uh, and that's coming from someone that is quite desperate I'm dreaming about dolphins um <laughs> But now I'm like, oh, all these people that I kind of think are oh, a bit cringe, I okay. just swipe the other way on them. But now they're the secure people.
3: Yeah, exactly. Well, it just makes you think about it differently, doesn't it?
2: Um, yeah, honestly, I, mm, I'm just. I wish I'd listened to you earlier. But also, don't you think you knew your attachment style? Mm. But why haven't, you done,
3: <laughs> why haven't you done anything? Why am I still a nightmare? (laughs) Yeah, it's good. I'm I'm letting you off because it's a really valid question. Cards, right? I read it and I was like, oh my god, this is me. These are all the ways in which I need to change. But the other person also needs to recognise that and change as well. And sometimes you just are incompatible. I think. And so, but it's it's still helpful for me in future relationships and going forward. And I'm definitely going to do what he said. Like, if I start liking someone again, I'm going to say, look, I'm an avoidant. I do really need time on my own. I I do need you to be like cool on your own and just lay it all out there.
2: Yeah. And the same, like whenever I go on a date, I think that thing of being honest of what you want and and Mm -hmm. the same, like in your profile, just saying I'm going to be one of those people I used to ignore. Um, But I think, yeah, because I think we've just made it so hard for ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that's down to people... Than being okay with it.
3: Yeah, exactly. Okay. I can't wait. Uh, I feel like a new woman.
2: Yeah. Um. Can we wrap this up so I can just sort out my hinge profile? Yeah. Wait. Sure. Be obvious. <laughs> right. Let's end it. Okay. Um. Yeah. Roll. Roll the credits. Oh my god. Why do I think I'm <laughs> on, like a '90s to '80s broadcaster? Um, <laughs> and then. Over to Laura with the weather. <laughs> This brings us to the end of this episode of Cosmopolitans All The Way With. Thanks to Amir for joining us and to you all for listening and listening to our sex dreams. If you have any sex questions or dating dilemmas, message us on Twitter or Instagram at Cosmopolitan UK.
3: Cosmopolitans All The Way With was recorded by Number 8 Studios remotely and is available to download on Acast, iTunes and all the usual podcast apps. Sweet dreams. (laughs) (laughs) So creepy. Or beautiful nightmares.